Bibles, if you would, to 2 Kings chapter 7. 2 Kings chapter 7. <clears throat> Everybody likes good news. Is that is that true? Yeah. I mean, I don't know anybody who said, no, I don't want any good news. Even this morning, uh, I, I, I asked the question, I said, hey, we have some kind of bad, sad news and good news. What do you want first? What did the majority of the people say this morning, those of you that were here this morning? Okay, we all want the bad news first, do we not? Why, why is that? There, there you go. You can take, you can deal with the bad news and then end on a good note, if you would. Uh, I, I read a story recently of a lady who her husband had just had major heart surgery and uh, in the mail they received notice that he had inherited a million dollars. But she was afraid of breaking the news to him uh, because you know he would get so excited that you know he'd, he'd have a heart attack or something. So she called his pa- she called her their pastor and and uh, he came over and he she told him what was going on and and she said can can you very easily kind of you know break it to him so it you know he doesn't overreact and and so on and so forth and and uh, he's he's oh yeah no problem I got this so he he walks in and he says he says hey Joe he says uh, what would you do if you found out today that you w- would inherit a million dollars? Isn't that kind of a nice way to do it? And, 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 and Joe looks at his pastor and he says, you know what, pastor, honestly? He says, I'd give it to you. The pastor dropped over dead with a heart attack. <laughs> Anybody got a million dollars? I'll take it. No, you know, actually, to be to be perfectly honest, to be perfectly honest, I, I wouldn't want it. Yeah, I, I really wouldn't. I'm sorry. You know, I I honestly wouldn't want it. No, she she wouldn't want it either. She she wants some of it, but not all of it. Keep her, you know, keep her stocked in uh, Hobby Lobby and 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 sewing stuff and you know. I have a question for you. Is good news always what we want to hear? Think about that. See, we, we, we want to categorize good news as only something that we want to hear. But that's not always true, is it? Oh, 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 right, right. Right. For, for her sister, right, yeah. See, just because something doesn't always make us happy doesn't mean that it's not good for us. I have a friend of mine who is going through hepatitis C treatment. Now, I don't know much about the medical thing, and I don't know why, but he, he texted me the other day and he says, will you pray for me because I'm, going, I'm undergoing some hepatitis C treatment 
and they've got to stick a needle in my liver. And I just, that's what I went, ooh, ooh. Now, is that a good thing? You know, I, I mean, now how many of how many of us are going to wake up tomorrow morning going, you know what? I wish somebody would stick my liver with a needle. That would be so much fun. No, but if you had hepatitis C, and that's the treatment you need to survive, then that's a good thing. Now you're right. There didn't there there didn't used to be a treatment. See, I have a I have another friend who who lives in a fantasy world. Who who physically is relatively healthy, um, but the the problem is this person lives in this little fantasy world, and and if anybody uh, doesn't tell her what she wants to hear, what do you think happens? A meltdown. So could not, in that particular situation, could not good news be bad news for her? You know, because people are not always going to tell her the truth. And, and oftentimes we, we misunderstand the, 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 uh, the difference between truth and good. Because truth is always good. But good is not always true. I have another question for you. Do we have to believe the news in order for it to be true? Truth is true. In our story here, Elisha had showed his, or excuse me, God through Elisha had showed his omnipotence and his omniscience in, excuse me, revealing to Elisha the battle plans that King Ben-Hadad had. Every time uh, the Syrian king, King Ben-Hadad, uh, wanted to do something, God would tell Elisha. Elisha would then tell the king of Israel, and then the king of Israel would be able to counteract and, and avoid and get around it. And it was frustrating, but hey, Dad, something fierce. And in, 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 in uh, uh, chapter 6 of 2 Kings, verses uh, 15 to 17, we see Elijah praying that the eyes of his servant would be open. Can anybody tell me why his servant's eyes needed to be opened? Anybody remember? Brandon? Okay, they, what, what happened? Ben-Hadad had come and surrounded Elisha's house. And his servant went out and went, uh-oh. But Elisha wasn't worried. And God, and he prayed and he asked God to open his servant's eyes. And what did his servant see? The, the armies of God surrounding the armies of the Syrians. So, so that happened in uh, verses, what was it, uh, 15 to 17. In verses 18 to 23, Elisha prays and, and God blinds the Syrian army. And then he marches his army to Samaria, to the capital of Israel. 
And this, the, 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 the king of Israel wants to then kill them all. And, and Elisha talks him out of it and says, no, just let them go. And God miraculously uh, brings their sight back. And, and the, the Syrians are uh, beyond embarrassed by what had taken place. Then there is a period of time uh, between uh, a, a, peri- a period of peace between Syria and Israel. We don't know exactly how long it lasted, but it was an extended period of time. And King Ben Hadad l- lured Israel into a sleep, uh, if you would, uh, and then pounced on him. And and how did how did how did the king do that? Anybody remember? Sean? Okay, he besieged the city of Samaria, the capital of Israel. And, and uh, by doing that, he, he, he entrapped the king and Elisha. So, so from, from Ben-Hadad's uh, position, he had them both. He had the king and Elisha. I, again, I, I think I said this last week, but I think that he wanted Elisha more than he wanted the king. But here he is, he's surrounded the city, he's got, he's got his army has, is literally starving the city into submission. <clears throat> Starvation drove the people to do unbelievable things. They were selling, and well, not only were they selling, but people were buying a, a head of a donkey for two pounds of silver. Uh, a dove's dung was going for two ounces of silver. And it drove them to the point that a prophecy that was made in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 53, was coming true. God had warned the people of Israel in Deuteronomy. He said this, And thou shalt eat the fruit of thine own body, the fruit of thy sons and thy daughters, which the Lord thy God shall give thee in the siege, in the, in the straightness wherewith thine enemies shall distress thee. He had predicted in Deuteronomy chapter 28 that, the, that Israel would be doing the very thing that they did. They were, they were eating their own children. How very sad. One thing that I've learned in my life is never say, I'll never do that. The, the moment you believe that you are immune from doing anything bad, you have set yourself up for that very thing. I can take you to a prison. I don't know if it's full of them, but I know of several guys that have told me, Pastor, I grew up in a good Christian home. I never thought I would be here. But for a couple of really bad decisions... Look where I am. You know, we, we live very close to a place called Donner Pass. And, and it's, it's, it's interesting when people come to visit us. Uh, we, you know, they'll say, well, what do, you, what do you all have around here? And, you know, we'll talk about different things. And, and then somehow it almost always comes up about Donner Pass. And <clears throat> I... You know, we, we invariably ask the question, uh, uh, have, you, have you heard of the Donner Party and, and what happened? Oh, yeah. 
oh, oh, that's that's near here. And they get all upset and and, worry, and and you get this pious almost attitude of, well, I would never do that. And, and you know, the reality is you get hungry enough, you get hungry enough, you'll eat just about anything. Let's look at verses 28 and 29 of 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 chapter 6. And the king said unto her, What aileth thee? And the, the, and, and the woman answered, This woman said uh, uh, unto me, Give thy son that we may eat him today, and we uh, will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and did eat him. And I said unto her on the next day, Give thy son, that we may eat him. And she hath hid his, her son. How very tragic. Sin will take us where we don't want to go. Verses 31 to 33. Jehoram, the king of Israel, blames Elisha. Isn't that, isn't that the way we do? I, I, you know, honestly, anything that goes wrong in our church, I blame Bob. It, 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 that, that's just how it is. It's always his fault. <laughs> but, but no, seriously, is, isn't that what we do, though? We want to blame everybody. It is refreshing when somebody owns their own sin. Because you know what? True repentance cannot take place until we own our sin. The, the title of my message this evening is Good News. Very, very simple. Good news. Because it is good news what, what uh, Elijah is about to tell them. Look, let's read <clears throat> verse 1 of chapter 7. Then Elisha said, Hear ye the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of uh, <clears throat> fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work you're going to do in our hearts tonight. Speak to us. And Lord, help us to see and to know the true power of the Word of God. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. We read this, and our, at least for me, my response is, well, praise the Lord. God is in control, is he not? Question. Is that what the people said? Let's look at verse 2. And a Lord, of whose hand the king leaned, <clears throat> answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would uh, make windows of heaven, might this thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shalt not eat thereof. This is just one man. Uh, 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 a Lord on which the king leans, 
or a, 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 a trusted uh, counselor or somebody really close to the king. Elisha says, hey, tomorrow, about this time tomorrow, fine flour will be sold at a decent price. Barley will be sold at a decent price and there will be no more inflation and everybody's going to eat and everything is going to be back to normal. Now, if you were there that day, what would you think? <laughs> okay, Elijah has lost it. Wouldn't you? I would, honestly. I mean, think about it. This, this guy it was the only one who spoke out, but everybody else was thinking it. Elijah, it's impossible. Exactly. Exactly. Point number one, hearing the word of the Lord. Hearing the word of the Lord. And please get this because this is absolutely critical to the message tonight. Please get this. How does Elijah start? He starts off by making the statement, Hear ye the word of the Lord, thus saith the Lord. Now, <clears throat> what is Elijah saying? Talk to me. Okay, listen. Because what I'm about to say is a direct quote from God. This is not me talking. This is him. And he, and he, and he, he reiterates it in such a way that there's no mistaking what Elijah's trying to communicate. Listen, this is what the Word of God is going to say to you. Now, how many times, how many times have you picked up this book and it has pricked your heart and you've closed it and put it on a shelf and not paid attention to it? We're all guilty of that. There is no difference. In fact, that, that's not true. We are more accountable because we have the written word of God than those people were that day in the city of Samaria. Before we become <clears throat> too critical and make heretical statements like, man, I would never <clears throat> uh, 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 do what those people are doing, or, or I, I can't believe these people had such little faith. <clears throat> Hasn't God proven himself already to these people? Now, now let me let me stop right there and ask you: Has God, to this point, had God proven Himself to the nation of Israel? How many times? Countless times. Countless times. Over and over and over, God has proven Himself. But what was the problem? in the northern ten tribes of Israel at this time. They were all pagan. 
They didn't believe in God. We, for the most part, do the same things. We say we believe this book, do we not? We're here because we believe this book. But I can't tell you how many times in my own life I have read things and say, you know what, that's good for, that's good for, for well, let's see, Joe's not here, I'll pick on Joe. Um, <laughs> no, no, that's good, that's good for that, that, those people over there, and I hope they're listening, but hey, I got this under control. Is the Word of God any different today as it was in the day of Elijah? It's the same. And just as it was applicable for them, it's applicable for us today. The problem is for these people, they had been listening to everything but God. Think about it. You know, put yourself there. Try and imagine yourself in the city of Samaria where people literally are starving all around you. What, what kind of things do you think you would hear in the physical ear? Tell me. Okay, you, you would, for one thing, you would be hearing your own stomach growl, would you not? You would hear babies crying. What else would you hear? Animals. Well, I don't know you'd be hearing that, but it, it could be. You know, uh, would, would you not be hearing... Um, the threats from the Syrians on the outside of the wall? Do you think they were just sitting there having a picnic the whole time? No, I guarantee they had, they had their, their people yelling threats and so on and so forth, probably keeping them up all night, you know. What else do you think you'd hear? Do you think you could hear the, the counsel of discouragement? People whining and complaining? Oh, it's Elijah's fault. Oh, it's the king's fault. Oh, it's this person's fault. Oh, it's that person's fault. When in reality, whose fault was it? It was everybody's fault because everybody had turned away from God. So what are the sounds being heard? And, 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 and let's kind of let's bring this down to where we live today. Do we not live in the same thing? Do we not hear the, the cries of the world telling us that, oh, you don't need to go to church. You don't, you don't need this or you don't need that. Uh, you don't, oh, it's, it's just a book written by men passed down at campfires for centuries. Really? Show me that. Where I can prove to you this is the Word of God. But the world wants to cry in our ear. Oh, why? You know what? You've had a hard week. After all, last week was vacation Bible school. Everybody's tired. Just, just go ahead and, 
you don't have to go to church this weekend. Just take a weekend off. You're, you're good. Isn't that what the world wants to tell us? Do we hear the, the crying of our bellies, if you would, the, the, the growling of our tummies? And, the you know, I, I appreciated Brandon, uh, the, you know, his testimony. You know, the <laughs> poor guy didn't get to eat till 11. When you're that skinny, man, you can't afford to wait that long. <clears throat> now, I can go that long, but you shouldn't, man. That's, that's scary. That's scary, dude. But you know what? I appreciate it. You know why? Because the spiritual is always more important than the physical. But what is the world? What is the, you know, what are we hearing? What are the, some of the, the, the cries of the suffering? You know, what are some of the things that, that you have to deal with on a daily basis? Oftentimes, the cry from all of the stuff, we can't hear the cry of God in our ears. This morning, as as uh, I, I was waiting for my wife to come eat breakfast, I <clears throat> I was sitting at the table and the and the TV was on and I, I just I, I just I got tired of the noise. The you know the, the you know we live in such a noisy world. Sometimes we just need to get away from the noise so that we can hear God. Put yourself there that day. And understand that, you know, I, I don't want to miss you. I'm sure that there were people in the city that believed in God. And I'm talking in generalities. For, but for the most part, the people were pagan and had no desire to serve God. So when God did speak, when Elijah stood up and said, Thus saith the Lord, the people went, That's a scary place to be. Hearing the word of the Lord. Romans chapter 15, verse 5. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we ought, that we, uh, through patience uh, and comfort of Scripture, might have what? hope what happens what drives someone to boil their baby and eat it no hope they had run out of hope but it's the word of God today that gives us hope when the noise of the world is is driving us batty when everything is closing in on us where do we where should we turn we should turn to the book we should turn to the word of god and drown out the noise of the world the psalmist wrote in psalm chapter 119 verse 50 this is my comfort in my affliction for thy word hath quickened me the word quicken literally means to be made alive that it is the word of god that comforts it is the Word of God that calms down the noise of the world. The people starving all around, the cries for help and the, 
the anger, the anger and the the anguish and the the, the, the just the endless sea of pity. Everywhere you look, people were starving. Laying, laying I, I, I would imagine that people were just laying in the street waiting to die. Utter hopelessness. And Elijah stands up and he says, Tomorrow, about this time, shall a measure of fine flour, not just flour, but fine flour, shall be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. And you think, it is impossible. It is absolute. Elisha, open your eyes. Look around you. People are starving to death. And you're telling me that this time tomorrow, within 24 hours, I can go and buy flour and barley at a reasonable price. You have lost it. And, and we sit here in 21st century America because we, we know the end of the story and, and we think, oh, these people had no faith. Well, number one, they really didn't. But the reality is you and I aren't really very much different. I can't tell you how many times I have seen God work in my life over and over and over and over and I stub my toe. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, I just took a shot at I didn't mean that, okay? But you, anyway, <laughs> he, he broke his toe the other day, stubbing it, and I, and I, didn't, mean to, I didn't mean to do that. Um, anyway, you know what I mean. We stub our toe, and all of a sudden, the world falls in around us, and we forget everything that God has ever done, and we look down, and we think, oh, man, oh, life is horrible, and blah, 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 blah. God hasn't moved. God has not changed. God is still on the throne. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 and following says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought, no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, and what you, or, or, nor yet uh, for your body. What you shall put on is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment. Behold the fowls of the air, uh, for they sow neither do they, uh, they, they excuse me they sow not neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them, mostly on my trees in my yard. That's okay. Are ye not much better than they? Let me read that again. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto a stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the fields, how they grow. Uh, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And that, that's so very true. 
I remember my wife and I, we were up in uh, Washington, uh, Mount Rainier, when the flowers were in bloom. I, I, I thought I was in heaven. It, it was the most beautiful sight I'd ever seen in my life. Just flowers, wildflowers. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall I eat, or what, uh, or, or what shall I drink, or where, where, wherewithal shall uh, we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. In other words, that's what the world worries about. We, we as believers have no business worrying about these things. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of these things. Now that doesn't mean you get a brand new pair of $400 sneakers every time you want it. Okay, just saying. But... What is the qualifier here? To, to receive all the blessings that God just mentioned. There's a qualifier. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for, for the morrow. For the morrow shall take care of the things of itself. Sufficient is the day thereof, or sufficient unto the day uh, is the evil thereof. See, we have a God that has good news for us. We have nothing to worry about. He's in control. We don't need to fret about where our, our next meal is coming from. In fact, some of us, we could go for a whole week and not worry about it. The prophecy of Elijah would be fulfilled within 24 hours. And please get this, because you, you have a situation that people are so hungry that they're eating their own children. And within 24 hours, Elijah's prophecy promises that things will take a 180 degree turn. It's impossible. But you know what? We, we serve a God of the impossible. And there will be times in your life where you're going to get down to it and you're going to think, God, I can't take it any longer. I cannot take another step. And God's going to tell you, trust me. Trust me. Keep going. I'm the God of the impossible. Point number two. Not only do we have to hear the Word of God, but we need to believe the Word of God. It's one thing to hear, and it's another thing to listen. How many of you that have children know exactly what I'm talking about? <laughs> Did you hear me? Uh-huh. Well, why aren't you fill in the blank? Because I don't want to. <laughs> Or, or yeah, the uh, I don't know. <laughs> I I oh as a as a as a parent, I now I know why my my parents 
would just go into meltdown mode every time I went, I don't know. Because every time my kids did it, I went into meltdown mode. What do you mean you don't know? (sighs) Believing the Word of God. The people could not see past the circumstances. The people only saw the starvation, the hunger. The Syrians had besieged the city. Nobody could get in or could get out without dying. Can you can you picture yourself in the city of Samaria and smelling the smells that you're smelling? I don't know about you, but I've been in third world countries and and the smell in most third world countries it, it can be nauseating at times. But now you have a, a, a city that's been under under siege for for months. And and can you imagine the smell? Because there had to be dead bodies. Even even if everybody was eating normally, people still die. And there's gonna be rotting bodies and the, the smells and all of the the, the, the filth and the, all of those things going on. And then when the wind changes direction, over the wall comes the smell of the food being cooked in the Syrian camp. And now all of a sudden, you're, 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 have you ever been really hungry and drive past a, 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 a Burger King? Yeah, you know Burger King's the worst because they 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 have those those grills that just pour the smoke out of them, and there's something about the smell of a Burger King. If I'm hungry, I mean I'm gonna stop in the middle of the street and get out and walk in. I, I mean my stomach just locked down. It, it just it, it it is psychological. Can you imagine the 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 the, the lack of hope that had been absolutely dissipated from these people? Jehoram, the king of Israel, and the people were were struggling from a major medical issue. Now, now please get this. I this more this evening I was talking to Mr. McCullough because he has a medical kind of a medical background. I mean, you were you were only a doctor, right? I mean, come on. Um, but anyway, I had a medical question. But the the people of Israel were suffering from a medical condition that many people suffer from even today. And it's, it's called forgetfulness. <laughs> I never do, but my wife does. <laughs> I hope so. If she, if, she forgets what, if she forgets what I just said, she will. Uh, I should say, I'll go home with her. No, we all have bad memories, do we not? I, I, I mean, how, how, again, how many times, how many times has God blessed your life? Countless times. But how many times do we question God working in our lives? How many times, you know, and, and we read these stories and we think, how stupid can these people be? Well, you know what? Just look in the mirror.
See, they forgot, even, even from the first part of chapter 6, they forgot what God did by making the Syrian army blind. Now, now who, else, who else in this story had a short memory? The Syrians, did they, did, didn't they also forget? They were the ones that God blinded. But yet, Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, was so full of hate for Israel, all he could think of is getting revenge. And you have people on the outside of the wall who forgot the power of God. You've got people inside the wall who have forgotten the power of God. But who's left? Elijah and probably a handful of people who had not forgotten the power of God. One of the things that impresses me about Elisha is he, he's, he's, just, he's just a kind of a quiet, soft-spoken guy who just kind of lays it out. Look at verse 2 again. Or, or excuse me, verse 1. And Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord, thus saith the Lord. Tomorrow, about this time, shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. I mean, he just lays it out there. And he says, thus saith the Lord. See, it's not my words that's telling you this. God is saying that this is going to happen. But who gets blamed for it? Elisha does. Now, let's go back to a question I asked earlier. Do you have to agree with something for it to become true? No. And I I just looked at the clock. I am way over time. In, In Luke chapter 12, verses 16 to 20, we read of a parable here, and it says, And, and he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully, and he, and, uh, uh, he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where uh, to uh, bestow my fruits. And he said, uh, This will I do. And I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I have... Uh, uh, will I bestow all my fruit and my goods? And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up uh, for many years. Uh, take these, the, take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Uh, but God saith unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required, required of thee. Then whose who shall these things be? which thou hast provided. Tonight before church, Candy asked me a, a question that I, I have no answer to. How many of you remember last week we were talking about the, the, uh, pastors, uh, the pastor and his family who lost their 20-year-old son in a hunting accident? And Candy asked me, she said, wasn't, wasn't he in college to, to be an evangelist? And, and I said, yes, ma'am, he was. And she said, well, then why... 
he was a good kid wanting to preach the word of God. Wouldn't many, many more people be saved if he had lived and, 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 and gone on with his ministry? And I looked at Kenny and what did I say? I don't know. I don't have those kind of answers. But I do know this, God is in control. And here this man in this story, he, he, he had everything. He had, he had worked and he had, he had built it up and he tore down his barns and built it up. And now he's going to live. He's going to go, oh, yes, I can retire. I'm going to live in these. But God called him a fool. I worked, for, I worked with a man. He was a manager. I, there was a time when construction wasn't too good back many years ago. And and I had to take a job at Walmart working nights. Um, and I, I worked at uh, two at, uh, eight at night to two in the morning. And he was the, the overnight manager of the store. And, and all this, the, the whole time I worked for him, I worked for him for about a year. And the whole time I worked with him, all he taught, every single night, is he talked about retiring. Oh, I've only got, you know, six months to go. Six months, and then you know, the, you know. I mean, he was counting the days. Every day we'd go in, and we'd all joke with him. And well, how many days is it? Well, shortly after I left, he retired like a week or two later. And I was back in the store about about a month after that, and I I saw somebody uh, that 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 knew me and him and a coworker, and I said, Oh, hey, by the way, how's so and so doing? And and they said, Oh, you didn't hear? I said, What happened? Well, he retired, and he bought himself a tractor, and went out and started working his garden like he. That's what he talked about doing: was working a garden. And within a week of being retired, he was dead. He was out in his garden, just kicked over dead. You know, we're not promised tomorrow. We're not. Not one of us. My challenge to you, very simply tonight, is this. <clears throat> What are you going to do when it comes to hearing and believing the Word of God? See, we can hear it all day long. We can, we can, we can get it on CDs. You can get it, uh, apps on your phones. You can plug it into your ears. And you can cut your grass listening to the Word of God being poured into your brain. But it doesn't matter unless you believe it. It's just words. Until you put this book into practice in your life, it is nothing. It is nothing but words. The city of, of Samaria was besieged by the Syrian army, and they were also besieged with unbelief. Now, let me ask you a question. What would you rather be besieged by in your life? Would you rather be besieged by an army or by unbelief? I would take the army any day because I can fight that. But when we, when we get to the point where unbelief takes over our thinking, It's a struggle to get back. See, the, the greatest enemy, the greatest enemy was not the ones on the other side of the walls. The greatest enemy was taking place in the mind of every person there. The unbelief 
that had ravished through the people. Elijah's good news fell on deaf ears because they had been besieged by unbelief. And we live in a world today. <clears throat> we are surrounded. We, we all have access to the Word of God. But what do we do with it? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this day.